Y'all ready? Hey, uh, one day, little Johnny, the first, <laughs> uh, look at y'all. Uh, little Johnny was at school acting up one day, and the teacher called him up and said, Hey, Johnny, do you remember what you promised me yesterday? He said, Yes, ma'am, I do. She said, What was it? I promised you that I would behave. And do you remember what I promised you? Yes, ma'am. What was it? That if I didn't behave, you were going to send me to the principal's office. Um, but since I broke my promise, I think it's okay if you break yours too. <laughs> Come on. Hey, anybody remember, um, you don't see them as much as you did at a certain time, but this called a book of promises. And, and basically what it was, it was a promise, a scripture for Everything you could think of. My papa Fuller, my mom's dad carried one with him everywhere he went. He gave away so many of these little books of promises. And if you're not familiar, basically what it is is, like if you were discouraged, you want a scripture to, to speak to you about that, you'd look up discouraged. And it would give you scriptures like John uh, 14.1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe in me. It would give you scriptures like 2 Corinthians 4 and uh, 8 and 9. We are pressed on every side but not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but we are not destroyed. It would give you about peace. It would give you about about healing and, and so, so those things. So you kind of get the gist of what it was, right? Right? Come on. Be with me. Um, and it was and is still a great tool to have with you. Because how many know the enemy speaks lies constantly at us? And we need to be reminded of what God says about us. But with that being said, I'm going to ask a question that I already know the answer to. Anybody ever had somebody promise you something and didn't come through on that promise? Yeah. I, every person, you don't even have to be alive long for this to happen to you, right? Somebody makes a promise to you. And if we're honest, some of those, some of those broken promises, are, they don't, they're not that big of a deal, right? But others can hurt. Are you with me? Promises, some promises that get broken, they can hurt. And so, well, what do you do when that person breaks that promise? I mean, we can go by the old saying, hey, fool me once, your fault. Fool me twice, my fault. In other words, you won't get me again. I believed you this time. But, you, but what do you do? What do you do? Because some, it, it can hurt. But here's the even deeper question. It's one thing when a friend or an acquaintance doesn't follow through on a promise. What do you do when you feel like God hasn't come through on a promise? What do you feel like when a promise that God's word, the promise of God, you're believing on it, but you feel like it has gone unanswered, unfulfilled, or at the best, only partially fulfilled? Come on, am I talking to the right people? And let me go ahead and take your halos off. Because I'm going to say, I've, I've been here. I've been here. So what do you do? Well, you know what God says. But it doesn't look like he's coming through with his promises. Well, let's look what the writer of Hebrews says. And this is not our main scripture, but we're going to dive in right here. Look at this. These all died in faith. Look at the next part. Not having received the promises. Not having seen the promises. 
But having seen them from afar off were assured of them, they embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The message says it like this. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what God promised. The, t- the passion uh, paraphrase like these. These heroes died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised to them. Who's he talking about when he says these people, these heroes? He, he's talking about the guys like Enoch, Noah, Jacob, Sarah, Abraham. These aren't just random people picked out. These are heroes of our faith that he says these people, they died in faith, not receiving the promises. These heroes. With that in mind, I want to jump to 2 Kings chapter 4, which is where we're going to be. Anybody, who was here last week? Because we were in 2 Kings 4 last week, the first part of that. And we talked about the woman that um, her husband had died. She had two sons. And, and the creditor, her, her husband left her in debt. And now the creditors were coming to, to take her sons from her to pay this debt off. And, and so the prophet comes and says, what do you have in your house? And she's like, I don't have anything except a small flask of oil. And then he's like, well, and how many of those? That's, that's what we feel like. Hey, what do you have in your house? I don't have much. This is all I've got. And, but I love that the prophet says, well, you've got just what I need then. And so he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go out to your neighborhood, get all the jars you can find. Fill them up. Fill, bring them in and then start filling them. So they, so they get all the jars they can. Come and start filling them up. And when does the oil stop flowing? When they ran out of containers. And here's what we, here was our main point last week was this. The oil has never been the problem. It's can he find a vessel to flow into and out of. And I pray Guys, this past week, you have prayed, God, make me a vessel. Let me, be, let me be someone you flow in and out of. Let me be a conduit. But the thing is, if you haven't, you say, well, Pastor Kelly, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really. Well, the good news is we got a new week starting up, and you can do it this week. Amen? That's all right. Listen, I'll, I'll lay me myself. Y'all know that. So we're going to jump in where that story leaves off, and we're going to be in uh, verse 8 of 2 Kings 4. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So then, see, you don't, don't you know the old, old saying, don't feed a cat, stray cat, or they'll keep coming around? I think that applies to prophets, too. Um, so then, whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes their way is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room on the roof, put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay here whenever he comes through. Apparently, this woman is a good cook. Because, listen, you cook for me once and it's not that great. I will come up with several reasons why we need to go out to a restaurant and eat the next time you ask me. Come on now. Some of y'all are thinking... Uh, no, no. 
But she recognizes, hey, he's a man of God. And she says, because he's a man of God, I want to build a place that's his own, that he can stay at. Now, I could preach here for a while because I'm convinced a lot of people are, are settled and they're happy settling for a just passing through of God. Oh, let me, let's see, how can I say it? So many people are happy with just a Sunday morning visitation from God. They don't want to build a place where he can live. Come on now. Because if we build a place where God's going to come into, we're going to have to do some cleaning out of that room. And we're kind, we kind of like what's in that room. I know it's good. Thank you. But let's move on because I can stay there for a while. Verse 11, she built him a place. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. She's like, I don't need nothing. What can be done for her? Then Elisha asked his servant Gehazi. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Now, you might think, well, that's a lot of unnecessary information. But in this culture that they were living in, if the husband died, leaving her not a son or anybody, she had no one to take care of her. No one. And, and so Elisha's like, what can we give her? And Gehazi's like, I'm just going to spitball here. I'm just going to mind, you know, let's go. Uh, Her husband's getting up in his years. And if he wants to be out there working and fall over dead, she's not going to have a son to take care of her. She's not going to have anybody to take care of her. So how about a son? He's like, 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 let's go. So verse 15, Elijah said, call her. So he called her. She stood in the doorway. And here's what he said. About this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. She ought, that ought to be good news, right? She's barren, hasn't had any kids, and the prophet is saying, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. But look at her response. No, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. That word mislead literally means this, don't deceive me. Don't be found to be a liar to me. She said, I, I, I didn't build this room so that I could get something from you. That wasn't the purpose of it. So don't get my hopes up, man of God. You ever been there? You hear a word about healing. Come on. You hear about a word about restoration, about deliverance, about freedom, about a breakthrough, and you're needing, and you're like, hey, hey, don't mess with me. I hear what you're saying. Don't tell me that can happen. My faith tank is on about E right now. So don't get my hopes up for something and then it not come through. Come on, I've been there. Where I've been believing, declaring, speaking it, quoting every scripture I know for it. Come on. That's where this woman is. And here's the thing. I don't know. There isn't it. She's saying, don't get my hopes up. That lets me know she's had her hopes up before. So I don't know what's going on with this woman. I don't know if she's 
had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage and, and finally just given up. I don't know if she went to a physician. He said, listen, what you've gone through, you'll never be able to have. But I do know that she says, don't get my hopes up. Come on, I've been there. She's like, I've had past disappointments. And I can't handle another broken or unfulfilled promise. And some of you here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've prayed and prayed for that son or that daughter or that parent to break free from an addiction. And it seems like nothing's happening. You've prayed for that marriage, for a reconciliation in that marriage. But nothing's happened. You've prayed for that healing over and over Maybe you're like her and you've prayed for a baby only to be left disappointed. Maybe you're like the man that told Jesus, that, hey, hey, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's not that I don't believe, but man, my faith tank is low. Let's read on verse 17. But the woman became pregnant. The next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son just as the prophet told her. Come on, promise fulfilled, right? Promise fulfilled. Praise God. But let's read on. The child grew up. One day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. And his father told his servant, whatever good man does, uh, it says, hey, go see your mama. Um, I'm just being honest. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. Then he the promise of God dies in her lap. The thing that she had prayed and prayed for, believed and believed for, she sees it happen, she sees God come through, but then she watches it die in her lap. But I tell you, I love this woman because she is not, I, I tell you, she has got so much, I don't know what you call it, she, she's feisty. Because look what she says. She went up, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door, and went out. She doesn't call a doctor. She doesn't take him and lay him on his own bed. She's like, uh-uh. I'm going to take it. That way, if the man of God comes by and he goes to his bedroom, he's going to find a dead boy. What he promised me, it's going to be laying there. And she takes him up and lays him in the prophet's bed. She calls her husband says, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly in return. The husband's like, why go to him today? It's not new moon or Sabbath. You can tell the husband's like, why do you need to go to the man of God? What's going on? There's no special occasion. It's not moon, noonday. It's not Sabbath. And he, but he sees his wife is adamant about going seeing the prophet. And she doesn't give him an explanation. She don't even tell him, hey, her boy's dead. Not a word. The husband's like, why do you need to go see him today? And she says this. That's all right, she said. I love the way King James Version says it. Because what she says after the husband says, why do you need to go to him today? Everything all right? I, mean, I know there's no festivals, nothing going on. Why do you need to see him? And the, the, King, the uh, King James says, she says, oh, it shall be well. Southern translation, it's going to be all right. It may not be all right right now, but it's going to be all right. 
And so you ever been there where you know something in your life is not all right, but you're going to try to be all positive about it? Come on. Blessed and highly favored. And everybody knows you are not. Right now you are broke and busted and almost disgusted. But you try to be positive about it. Oh, it's going to be all right. She looks at her husband and says, it's going to be all right. And the man, being a smart man, says, I'll do whatever you need to do. And verse 24, so she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on and don't you slow down unless I tell you to. So she sets out, came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is the child all right? And look what she says to him. Oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Look what the woman says. Did I ask you for a son? Did I ask that from you? Didn't, didn't I tell you, don't get my hopes up? This is not something I asked for. I didn't ask you for anything, but you insisted on giving me a promise from God. It wasn't my idea. It was your idea, and now that promise is dead. Look at verse 29. Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, don't answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. I love, again, I love this woman. Look what she said. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going anywhere. So the prophet got up and followed her. Here's the woman. Like, are, are, you, are you serious? I didn't ask for the promise, but your solution is to send this guy right here home with a stick? That's, that's what you're going to tell me? No, you're coming with me. And she had to be in it because it says Elijah's, he don't even say anything. Okay, let's go. Gehazi went on ahead, though. He was already going. He laid the staff, I love this. He laid the staff on the boy's face. Listen, if you've ever been in ministry, you know you've been in those situations where you try anything. You're just, you're just pulling stuff out of your pocket. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so he lays a staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. Uh-oh. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him the boy's not awakened. I can see this going on. Hey, Elisha, come here, come here. Be right with you. The stick didn't work. Are you sure? That was my best stick. It didn't work. And, and Elisha's a hat. It's, oh, everything's all right. He just wants us to go back with him too. So when Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. Elisha went in, shut the door with just the two of them, him and the dead boy, and prayed to the Lord. So the stick didn't work. Now Elisha is just trying some good old-fashioned prayer. He's having a prayer meeting. Guess what? Nothing. Nothing happens. 
And again, I think at this point, Elisha's just trying anything. He's going through his book of evangelical tools. This is what he's learned, and nothing is working. Because the next part gets a little weird, if we're honest. Then he got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. You think? I can be freezing to death. Get into bed. And my wife's body is like a, just a huge heater, giving off so much heat. And I could be dead. And you'd feel, oh, he's warm. He's good. He's good. <laughs> I could sit on June, one of Juno or Sonny's stuffed animals. And then when I get up, that stuffed animal's warm. And he's like, as he stretched himself over and lay on him, the boy's body grew warm. I'm like, I, probably so. But he's not alive. He's tried the stick. He's tried prayer. Now he's laying on the boy. Now Elisha begins to panic, I think. He's like, he's walking back and forth. What is he doing? He's pacing. Lord, 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 this is going to ruin my ministry. Everybody's heard about my healings, and now this woman that I promised a baby to a year ago, she's got a baby. Now it's dead. Now what are people going to say? Nobody's going to book me. Nobody's going to want a, lost, a, a prophet where they make a promise. promise comes true, but then it dies years later. He's pacing back and forth. And he's like, listen, what can I do? Hey, listen, that third thing I tried laying on the boy's body, at least his body got warm. Maybe it's kind of like charging. I'm going to try that again. He does. And this time, he stretched himself out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened up his eyes. Now, I know there are people here, you study the numbers and all that. I, to me, it's just funny. Not one sneeze, not two sneezes. Hey, seven sneezes, and the boy comes back to life. Now, how many know Elisha, when that boy's eyes open, he is pumped. He's like, I'm the man. And it says, he says, Call for the Shunammite woman. Take up your son. That's what it says. And she came in. And he said, take up your son. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Man, the promise of God restored. Don't we love stories like that? But how many know every story doesn't end like that? What do you do with the stories where the promise dies and it stays dead? What do you do then? Because I think that's where we're, a lot of us can get frustrated. And it's a great story. And we love those stories. And we'll read and memorize scriptures that kind of tie into that. Like 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and, amen, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God. Here's the way we quote it. How many heard it quote this way? All the promises of God, they leave out that one part, are yes and amen. But what do you do? And you hear the writer of Hebrews says, these all died not having received the promise. 
What do you do when you feel like the promises of God in your life aren't saying yes and amen? What do you do when you feel like the promises of God in your life are going unfulfilled or at best partially fulfilled? Because every person in this room at one time or another has, some, has had somebody promise them something and not follow through. Maybe it was a small promise. Or maybe it was a big promise. But whatever it was, you've been on the receiving end of an unfulfilled promise, right? Here's what's sad. There are a lot of people here that are still carrying baggage, emotional baggage, that was a result of an unfulfilled promise. A mom or dad that was supposed to stick around didn't. A spouse or ex-spouse, a boss, a friend. Somebody made a promise to be there for you, to take care of you. Somebody made a promise to be at that game or that special, important event, to follow through, to have your back. But they didn't follow through, and now it lingers. And you'll think you're past it, but then you'll see something that brings it back. Can we all agree there are different levels of promises, right? Like, there, there are life-changing promises where if a promise is made, you begin to, to, to schedule your life around that. It's life-changing promises. But then there are promises that if it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal. Like Denise and I, we're getting ready next Saturday. Uh, we'll be on our cruise. Um, and, and it just so happens Chaz and Kristen are going to be in Juneau, Alaska, the same day we're there. And so, hey, man, we want to take you and get you a, a real Alaskan salmon bake, and it's going to be on us. We're paying. I'm like, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because I looked at what it costs, a real salmon bake, and they ain't cheap. And so I was like, hallelujah. Let's do it. Can I tell you, if something happens and they're not able to fulfill that promise, it's not going to affect us. Are you hearing me? But there, there are promises that we plan our life around. Let's say I were to come to you and knowing that you know, let's say Jonathan and Mariah, they need a second vehicle. And I know it. And I'm like, hey, hey, guys, now this is, this is just an illustration. Just make sure that's on record. Illustration. I go to Jonathan and Mariah and say, hey, guys, you know what? God spoke to Denise and I and said, we are to buy you guys a brand new minivan for your whole family and it's not going to cost you anything debt free brand new they'd be like hallelujah praise the lord and i'll say hey now listen I, it's going to take a little bit for me us to be able to put together the funds but man god has promised us this or us told us to do this so it's a promise you'd be like praise the lord well then after six months after jonathan not hearing from me I may get a text from Jonathan. Hey, PK, uh, Denise, uh, had you on my heart today. Um, <laughs> come on, y'all made those texts. Don't lie to us. Praying for you. No response. And then a few more weeks go by, and I get a text a little bit longer this time. Hey, PK, Denise, we haven't heard back from you. We just want you and Denise to know that we are so grateful for the provision of the Lord through y'all. Little praying hands emoji. Come on. About a year goes by. 
And uh, I get enough to APK. I just wanted to check in with you guys. Praying all is well. Still praising God for his provision with our family. And then out of nowhere, I called Jonathan Mariah. I said, hey, guys, listen. I know what I promised you, but, man, financial, the, it, it, the economy just took a down downfall, and we're not going to be able to come through with that promise. I know you've been scheduling your life for a round. You've been, you know, planning on but We're not going to be able to fulfill that, but, hey, here's your $50 Outback gift card. <laughs> How many think that would be a letdown? As much as I love Outback, the blooming onions, much as I love that, I go from you promised me a $25,000, $30,000 vehicle to a $50 gift card, they're probably going to quit the church. I would. I thought about quitting this morning. Anyway. But no, that would be, it, it would be because you're like, that is a big promise that you made. And, and that is hard as it would be. That pales into comparison when we think God has made a promise to us. That there are promises in the Word of God. They're not, not lining up to what it looks. Come on. Anybody with me? You're like, God, what is the deal? telling you, I've grown up in church my whole life, guys. I've been in more church services than you can imagine. I've fallen asleep under church pews. Uh, I've been left at church, and mom and dad remember they, they're missing somebody in the car and come around and get me. Come on. I mean, I grew up. I was taught from an early age that you believe on the Word of God. You believe the promises of God. You declare the promises of God in your life. God is for you. He's not against you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you a promise. Come on, anybody relate? I grew up there. And you plan on these promises. You count on these promises. But what do you do when the promises of God in His Word are very clear? Very clear. And as a follower of Jesus, you count on those promises. You bank on them. But then it seems like they go unfulfilled. See, here, here lies the problem. I grew up believing that God is a healer, was a healer, and that he'll always be a healer. So I've seen him heal. Amen? I've experienced his healing. But in 2007, that belief would be challenged in me. I would wrestle with this belief. In 2007, uh, in September, just a month before that, a bunch of us men went on a fishing trip to Florida, deep sea fishing. And my dad got sick out on the boat that day. And we just wrote it up to him getting seasick. You know, we're like, oh, dad, you big sissy. You know, we were giving him a hard time, and Dad loved it. Dad could give you a hard time back. And we wrote that, but when we got home, he began to progressively get worse. By October of that year, he had to start dialysis. His kidneys were failing him. Our family, the Goins family, this church family, began to pray and believe that God was going to heal Dad's kidneys. We believed it. 
We, we thought it. I mean, it, it's going to happen. Well, that was 2007. In January of 2008, Dad had a seizure. His rush to the hospital, and doctors would later tell us that Dad had a brain tumor. Again, our family went to, we went to war through praying. This church prayed. We, we had other churches praying, believing God was going to heal this cancer in my dad's body. Dad started getting to feel better. Man, we were like, okay, there's a turnaround. We're seeing God's promises fulfilled. In June 2008, he went back for a checkup. And I remember getting this call from Dad. It's just like it was yesterday. And Dad began to say, hey, me and your mom just left the doctor's office. And uh, the doctor told me to go home and begin to get things in order. Because of cancer is back, it's aggressive, and it's not going anywhere. And I remember talking to my dad. I remember saying, Dad, I began to do what I was brought up to do. I don't receive that. Dad, I don't receive it all. God is going to heal you. I know God's a healer, and he's going to heal you of this. In August of that same year, Dad died. Yeah. Our family, this church, other churches, believed every day that my dad would be healed. And here's the thing. I do not regret one day or one moment of believing for his healing. I don't regret that at all. Because at the end of the day, my only role in this is to pray and believe. I'm not the healer. Are you hearing me? All I can do is pray. All I can do is believe. So at the end of the day, so in the final days of my dad's life, I'm going to tell you, me and God had some wrestling matches. And can I tell you, God doesn't mind having wrestling matches with you. I know growing up, we were taught, I was taught, maybe you weren't, hey, you don't ever question God. Hey, don't ever. But I'm like, God already knows what I'm thinking. Let's get this out in the open. And me and God had some wrestling matches. They're like, hey, God, what about these promises in your word? By his stripes, we are healed. Come on now. Am I being too honest? Hey, God, what about what your word says? We believed. We fasted. And my dad died. What do you do? And you're like, God, I know what this book says. I, know, I believe what this book says. But I'm having to say goodbye to my dad, a man that lived his life serving you. I got angry with God. Got to be honest. Because I'm like, God, I'm, and, and I'm, I started calling out people in the world that were above his head. I'm like, God, look at this person right here. They, they're not even trying to live for you. In fact, they're doing everything opposite of living for you. And here they are, 80, 90 years old, and my dad here that has spent his life building a church. You're going to let him die? I mean, I'm honest. I'm like, God, this pisses me off. And I don't use that word in church. But that's where I was. God, I'm angry. But here's what I had to wrestle with and what we all have to wrestle with. I've only got two writings in your notes for taking notes. Does my believing stop when I don't get the results that I want? Does my belief stop 
when I don't get the results that I want? What do you do when you're praying and crying out to God for a financial miracle? And you've done everything you know to do. You're tithing. You're doing all that. And, and yet you end up filing bankruptcy. What do you do? What do you do when you're praying for that son or daughter claiming the promises of God over their life and they're on a three-day binge that you don't, can't get a hold of them and you don't know if they're dead or alive? I've walked through that too. What do you do when your marriage is falling apart and it's just like two strangers living in the same house and you're praying and believing for a reconnection you're praying and believing the passion is going to be restored the connection is going to be restored but then you get served divorce papers hmm. what do you do when you're praying for mom and dad to get their act together so that you can go back home and live with them instead of living with grandma and grandpa. And you watch mom and dad, and it seems like instead of getting better, they're getting worse and worse and worse. Till you realize this is my life. Mom and dad's never going to change. What do you do? These, these are real things, church. Let's take another step. What do you do if you're the parent? The mom or dad, and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed to be set free from this hold that addiction has on you. And you know, you know, before you take, you like, I know what that's going to make me feel like. I know I'm going to regret it, but yet it has such a hold on you. And you've prayed and you've done everything else. What do you do? What do you do when you've prayed for healing? You've quoted every scripture you know. You've got it written on the mirror. You've got it written where you sit. And you've quoted, you've sung every healing song about it, but yet you're not seeing God come through as healer. If you don't get anything else today, get this. My experiences, what I go through, do not shape my trust in God. My trust in God is what shapes my experiences. My dad's death, my mom's death, those deaths do not change at all what I believe about Jesus. Let me clear that up. Those things, even though I didn't get the prayer answer the way I wanted to, they do not change in one bit at all what I believe about Jesus and who he is. They don't change. I still believe he's healer. I still believe it. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's go back to where we started, Hebrews eleven thirteen. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them. They embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These all died in faith. In faith. Listen, guys, as a follower of Jesus, we live this life in faith. And we will die in faith. But make no mistake about it, whether living or dying, we will do it according to faith. Are you hearing me? I will live my life as a believer, and I will die being a believer. And I will not allow anything to change my belief about who he is. If I can get 
Bob and them to come on up. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. These great men and women all died in faith. And it says, they saw these promises afar off, but they never got to experience them. What does that even mean, PK? It tells us a couple things about God. One, it tells us this, that he is a generational God. And stay with me. We need to understand that we are not just connected to the previous generation. We are connected to the next generation. And here's what I, I am completely convinced of. My mom and dad had a great vision for this community. They had great vision for this church. They were given promises that they never got to see come through or fulfilled. But I believe they are watching in heaven and seeing some of those promises fulfilled today. And there are promises I won't see fulfilled. But whoever comes on after me, they will see them fulfilled. Why? Because he is a generational God who keeps his promises. And we need to understand who is the promiser and who is the promisee. And I think that's what the Shunammite woman was trying to relay to Elisha when she looked at him and said, this wasn't my idea, it was your idea. The Shunammite woman took the promise of God that died in her lap and took it back to God and said, hey, you gave me this boy now it's in your hands. I've been there. God, you being the healer, that wasn't my idea. I didn't write that in the Bible. You, you put that there. That wasn't my idea. I, I, God, I know you have power to heal. So what's it? Come on, am I alone? This is real. Even, even here recently with Denise's, uh, the, the stuff that hit Denise really hard. We were supposed to be on a cruise right now. I'm supposed to be get, eating as much as I can and making Holland America pay for it all where I've been through the food line so much. But then this hit. And like, God, I know you can heal. I know you've got the power. What, what is the deal? And can I tell you, God didn't get mad at me for questioning in fact, we've watched God do healing in my wife's body. Now, may, it may not be as quickly as I want it to be, but I will take a slow healing over a no healing any day. And we're leaving out Saturday. So, you may not be able to recognize me when I get back. I plan, let me, let me, let me, really dive into this story and you start connecting the dots you see this story was never about the Shunammite woman this story was never about Elisha this story was never about the son this story has always been about his son his son go back to 2 Corinthians let's look at 2 Corinthians 1.20 close it for all the promises of God, here are the two words you cannot leave out. All the promises of God in Him, 
are yes, and in him are amen. In him, in him are all the promises. Yes and amen. Jesus is the sum and substance of all God's promises. Let me ask you, when did we, where did we get to a place where Jesus wasn't enough? There's not a day that, I, that goes by I don't miss my mom and my dad. Not a day. They, man, and, I, and I know I talk a lot about my dad, my dad because, man, we just... He was the man in my life. And, I, and I'll still, I still, still have days. I want to pick up the phone. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can. Especially Tennessee when, when college football season hits. Because my dad raised me right to root for the Vols. And he said, listen, let all the other sinners gather. Pray for them, too. Because, man, it doesn't matter if we were living close or we were living far away. When the Vols were on, we were on the phone. Can you believe that? Did you see that play? And I miss him. But here's the truth. Dad isn't here anymore. But Jesus is. And I know there are hurts in this room. I know there are promises from God that you haven't seen come to pass and it's not been because you a lack of believing or praying you've done it all but I pray guys that we get to a place that's followers of Jesus where we see Jesus is enough Jesus is everything he is our source he is our strength he is our life he is our provider he's our deliverer he's our shelter strong tower he is the beginning the end he is the lamb that was slain yes Jesus is enough All the promises in him. Elisha says to that woman, man, after the boy wakes up, he brings the woman in. He says, woman, pick up your son. You know, I think he would say to us today, God would say to us, pick up Jesus. Son, daughter, pick up Jesus. Maybe you lost a child. Pick up Jesus. Maybe you lost a spouse, sibling. Pick up Jesus. Maybe you lost a friend. Pick up Jesus. Maybe that mom and dad that walked out on you that you never got to know that. Pick up Jesus. Whatever it is, pick up Jesus. And don't let go. Even through all the hurts, even all the frustrations, even through all the feeling like this promise is not being fulfilled, pick up Jesus and don't let go because he is the only true constant we have in this life. Stand with me across the room. I don't care if you've fallen. Pick up Jesus. I don't care if you've messed up again and again. Pick up Jesus. It's not a matter of whether prayer was answered the way you wanted to or not. Pick up Jesus. Pick up Jesus. 
to ask our prayer team to come up. He is enough. 